Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Welcome to Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What an active and wonderful fellowship we have this morning. Praise God. So make your way to your seat. We'll start this worship service. Well, to visit you with us this morning, we want to say welcome you. Ask you to fill out the visitor card. You'll find it from you so we can have a record of visit if you're placing all these plate. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to consider coming and visiting us in person right here in the sanctuary and see what God is doing. What's happening at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church? In the meantime, let me share with you a little bit about what's going on. Today is court. Uh, after services at 4.30, we're going to have choir practice in the choir room. Evening worship at 6 o'clock. You need to be there or be square. It's going to be a lot of fun, so come and be a part of that. Uh, Monday night, church at 6 o'clock, we'll be concluding our experience in God's study. So if you're in that experience in God's work, last study there, come and be a part of that. Week 12 is our final week. And I heard a rumor there's going to be a chocolate cake there. Praise God. You know, I'm going to be there. <laughs> So come be a part of that as well. Um, however, I want to introduce you to a new uh, study that will be coming up around September called The Way of the Master. It's already on our church website. If you're interested in that, it's a class on sharing your faith and learning how to do that. So I want to interest you in that. I also want to encourage you to sign up and be a part of that on sharing your faith uh, individually with people out there. Not just behind a pulpit, but learning how to witness and share your faith with that. So it's called The Way of the Master, brought on by Vivian Waters, and so I'm very excited, very, very happy to announce that class. Um, so we have 10 books at the moment, and we're hoping that we'll need to order some more books in there. We have two people to find up for that. So if you're interested in it, go to Robinson Avenue Baptist Church website, or ribccode.org, and sign up for the way of the Master. All right, next week, though, church, we have a couple of things that are going on. Uh, number one. After services next week, we'll have our ice cream social in the evening at 716. So please come and be a part of that. We're also still collecting for our back to school supply drive. I think up until next week, you'll see in the, bo- uh, the boxes there in the foyer, that's where you put your school supplies. And so what we're asking for right now is expo dry erase markers or any kind of dry erase markers and things of that nature. Uh, so uh, that's something we've been short on with those dry erase markers. So uh, consider being a part of that. We have one baby bottle boomerang still out. So if you have that baby bottle, if you could get that back to us as soon as possible, we would also appreciate that. Uh, also next week, church ministry team meeting at 4 o'clock. If you're on that ministry team, get ready for that next week. Not this week, but next week. We'll start praying about that. All right. With that being said, our ladies have returned from a retreat, and everyone that stopped and spoke to me said, oh, we had such a wonderful time. Praise God, and we are glad that you're home safely. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for that. All right. Um, I think that's going to be it for announcements at the moment. It's something I should walk through. It's a possibility. A lot of them there. Edmund, you have something? Okay. In that case, yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, there is this one that I have forgotten. So if you are dropping your children off at the nursery and at children's church, they're asking if you come and physically pick them up and install them and begin to implement new policies for our security uh, here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. So when you drop your kid off at the nursery, they'll no longer just open the door and let them out after services. Go to the nursery or to the children's church and pick up your kids. 
far from being convenient, but in the long run, it's going to be a lot safer for us and everybody. So, thank you for understanding in that. Thank you for bearing with us in that as we are growing and growing and growing to the point now where when we open up the doors, we have kids just running all over the highway now. So, uh, prayerfully, consider working with those ladies in our children's department. All right, with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's be praying to keep lives and welcome one another. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Know how we thank the Lord for today. Thank you, Lord, for you to be in your house, Lord. And we just pray that you will sit it right now with your spirit. Help us, Lord God, to worship you and let us worship you in secrecy. We ask, Lord God, you don't need to know one of our hearts, Lord, to hear from you, so that we can say, Lord, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And we invite prayer, Father God, that you anyone who needs to come to know your Lord and Savior this day be that day. Be, Lord, with those that are out traveling. Bless them and keep them safe and safe from home. Be with those, Father God, who are out the state. Freedom, Lord, bring them safely back to you. And we pray, Father God, that you would glorify and magnify your name and your service this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another.
if you would, please make your way back to your seat. We have one more announcement we need to share with you.
Well, good morning. It's so good to see each and every one of you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I hope and pray that each and every one of you are doing well. And it's my hope that you are praying with me for rain. We need some rain here in Copper's Cove. And we need rain throughout the state of Texas. In fact, our country needs rain. So please, please begin praying with me for rain. And as our children go out and go on to Children's Church, let's give them a minute to do that. And after they do that, I want to ask you to open up a prayer with me, and we'll ask God for rain. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father who art in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. And oh, how we thank you for this day. What a beautiful day it is, Lord. Thank you that we still live in a country that's free, Lord. We still come together in a place where we can worship you. And a place, Father God, where we know it's set apart. It's ordained of you, Lord God. And it's a time of reverence. It's a time of worship. And I pray, Lord God, you need us here this morning. Speak to us. Open our hearts to hear from you, Lord God. It's my prayer to be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. So let's raise you that day. At the same time, Father God. Would you refresh our lands with rain, Lord? Would you refill our stock tanks, our creeks, our rivers, Lord, our lakes, our ponds, our reservoirs? Father God, we need your rain. And right now, your children, Lord, who are called by your name, right now, I pray, Lord, we are turning from our wicked ways and calling upon you, Lord, asking you to heal our land. Oh, Father, bring the rain. We also pray, Father, that your spirit will fall like rain here in the sanctuary this morning. Take charge and be glorified. Have your Bibles with you. Turn to please the book of Acts, chapter 27. Acts, chapter 27. Let me warn you, though, we're not going to stay there very long. We're just going to use it as an introduction. Acts, chapter 27. Acts, 27. Wait for my computer to load up here. Can you for that? with you. Look at me in verses 39 to 43. The Bible says, When it was day, they did not recognize the land. They observed a day with the beast under which they found the one who took the conflict. Let's stop just a second. Let me tell you a little bit about what's happening in the top of Paul's life. Paul had appealed under Caesar, and under Caesar, he was going. He was on his way to Rome, and while he was there, put upon this ship. The ship had made landfall, but decided that the place where they were wasn't favorable for wintering in. In other words, there wasn't enough attraction to keep the men happy. They decided to make their way down the coast a little bit further to a town that had more attraction, had more food, and more places of enjoyment for the men. And so they struck out against the Apostle Paul's advice, and they end up inside a storm. You'll find out that storm is called Eurocidin. You might think you're a private, that's okay. Eurocidin. It's a very powerful, vehement wind that comes and it ends up putting them in a storm. And as they're in this storm, we picked up in Acts 27, verse 39. When it was day, they did not recognize the land. In other words, they knew they were close to land. You read this inside the scriptures. They are astounding for the depth of the bottom of the sea. They're sending out fathoms and echoes coming back. 
and they realize they're getting closer and closer and closer to landfall. They observe a bay, this is verse 39, with a beach under which they plan to run the ship if possible. And this picks up in verse 40. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosening the rudder rope, they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and went to shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. Verse 42. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, but any of them could swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get the land. And the rest, some on board and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. And I'll put a break in our picture here with this picture of what it might have been like. The artist's picture here is Paul's shipwreck at Malta. And so the back of the ship being broken up by the violence of the waves, the Bible tells us, and these guys are jumping into the water. I don't know about you, but that would be one of those things I've had to think twice about. Somebody say amen. Amen. I don't know if I'm jumping in that. I've watched too much TV. I know what's in those oceans now. Get me in there and jump out going to require something more than a Snoopy snack. I don't need a Twinkie, right? So I got all that. <laughs> but these guys do. They jump in the water. The boat's being broken up, and every single one of them, the Bible tells us, makes it to land. Let's pick up the rest of our scriptures now. Uh, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 28, and I want you to know something, though. Just because we're starting a new chapter doesn't mean it starts a new story. This is the continuation of that. Please understand that the chapters and the verses came later in our biblical interpretation. At first, they were written down, and later on, to help us find parts inside the stories and parts inside the narrative, so it'd be easy for us to locate them, we added chapters and verses later on. And this is where uh, the person who added those uh, chapters and verses thought he could break the story at. But the story doesn't end yet. They're on their way to shore, and we pick up now in chapter 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped... They then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness. So they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him took off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. And after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, looking into the story, we could see some interesting points. And boy, I see a lifetime of preaching in Acts 27 and Acts 28. A lot of times we get caught up in the story and the majesty of the moment, the violence of the sea breaking up the boat. A lot of times we get caught up in every single person comes to the shore and those are miraculous happenings, no doubt. Sometimes I think we miss the day I don't know about you, but when I read Acts 28 and I start reading about these refugees, these survivors, Swimming on the shore, some on pieces of wood, some on pieces of the boat. I, I think of them dog paddling in. They are soaking wet, the cold.
Bible tells us they're sneezing, they're coughing. When they come up out of the water, they're gagging on salt water. And out of a sudden, a bunch of natives show up on the beach. And the Bible says they kindle a fire. Now, I've seen way too many movies, but the first thing that would come into my head was, I'm not on the menu, okay? Some of you might know what I'm thinking there. However, they're not that kind of native people. They're not headhunters or something of that nature. These are, if you read an older version of the Bible, some call them barbarous people. That means that they're not quite as educated as those that are in Rome. In fact, they held that anybody outside of Rome were more barbarous than anybody inside of Rome. And the further you got away from Rome, the more uneducated you became. In fact, they would hold that Rome was the light of the world. And so the further you got away from it, the less enlightened you were. The Bible tells us these people came down, they have names, they speak, they read, they write, they have houses. So they're not primitive. And they come down and they spill the fire on the beach. Which now these refugees, and which now these shipwrecked individual survivors are gathering around. We spread the story. They continue feeding the fire, and the Apostle Paul does what I think is amazing. He goes and he picks up sticks and puts them in the fire, where a viper comes out and he's laying it onto the fire, bites them on the hand. Of course, the people, the inhabitants of the island of Malta, look at each other and said, Wow, this guy must be some kind of murderer because the shipwreck didn't kill him, because the sea didn't kill him. Now, justice, now, I need to understand something. Justice is not chance. Justice is not fortune. Justice to them was God. And so what they're saying is, well, justice is decided to be God. Of course, they watch him. He doesn't swell up. He doesn't fall down dead. And they decide in their heart of hearts, well, the Apostle Paul must be a God. That's what we're going to pick up this morning. That will take us to our very first point. You can see in Acts chapter 28, verse 6, just after the shipwreck, how Paul was bitten by a snake. In fact, those people gathered around, they started looking at him, and they said to themselves, He must be a God. Now, here's what we need to learn from that this morning, and perhaps I'm preaching to you this morning. My prayer that I'm preaching to you. Perhaps you are one of those this morning who says, I'm just watching online because I need to know if God really exists. I need to know if God knows my name. I need to know if God sees me, hears me. He knows what's happening in my life. I need to know if God has turned his head away from this world. Perhaps you're one of those this morning who says, I know God's involved in the world. In fact, you might be one of those who asked that question, where is God? See what we can learn from Acts chapter 28, verse 6. When Paul gets bitten by that snake, the first thing they say is, Something's going to die. The second thing they say is, Well, he didn't die, so he must be a god. Well, what can we learn from that? Well, you know what? And I find this to be something completely mental, completely observant, completely shocking. But whenever something bad happens, no matter if it happens to you, happens to somebody next to you, or happens to somebody you're watching on television, the first thing the world starts asking is, where is God? Have you noticed that? Am I preaching to the choir this morning? Y'all are awful quiet. In fact, 
You might be asking that question right now. Where's God in my life? I want to know what God's doing. And so we think when something bad happens, God must have turned His face from us. Am I talking to you this morning? Am I talking to you and how you feel this morning? The Apostle Paul's bitten by a snake. He doesn't die. And the people around say, well, he must be a God. Deep down inside, they're asking that same question. Where is God? We all start asking it. Incidentally, Christians are no exception. We do it all the time. We live in a violent world here in the United States. We live in a violent world here in Texas. We live in a violent world where there's a such thing as school shooting, where there's a such thing as child abuse, where there's a such thing now as sex trafficking. We live in a violent world, and we all ask that question, where is God? In fact, we want to see where God is working. And a lot of times we'll start pointing at somebody and say, God's working there. God's working here. God's working over there. Or God didn't do this. We try to explain it to things. But you know what we can learn from this? And this is something we need to put to work in our lives. Number one, when something bad happens, don't start saying that's what God did. Start saying this is what God has already done. He's given His life on the cross for you. That is the first thing we need to learn from this morning. When something bad happens in our life, when something bad happens in our country, when something bad happens to our government, we all start pointing our fingers saying, where's God? When deep down inside, God has never left us. We're the ones that do the leaders. We're the ones that walk away from God. Does that describe you this morning? Does that describe how you feel in your relationship with Christianity? Have you started saying, I want to see where God's working. I want to know what God's doing. I want to hear something from God. But all I see is shipwrecks. All I see is snake bites. All I see is people who are cold and hungry. And then when you see something miraculous, you say, that must be God. The problem with that is we see lots of things that are miraculous nowadays. In fact, we see modern miracles all the time. You know, nowadays, we can take a person who wears glasses, put him inside a chair, and within minutes, he or she can now see 2020. That's a miracle. Nowadays, you can be fat like me, go to the hospital, have a tube hooked up to you, and be skinny in an hour. <laughs> All those twinkies will come out just like that. A miracle. We say, that must be God. But the truth is, that isn't God, is it? It isn't. See, we want to point out what God is. And the problem is, is we oftentimes point our finger at something that's not God. And have you noticed here lately, here in our media, here in our society, here in our country, as we're trying to make things God that aren't God. And I want to tell you right now a couple of things that are not God. Are you ready? Write this down. Put it on your refrigerator door. Come in close and listen to me. Here's a couple of things we need to learn that is not God. Number one, there is no such thing as another God other than Jehovah. There is a world out there today that tries to say, Allah is the same as Jehovah. No, there is no God but Jehovah. Not a single one. And so we often point out to say, that must be God. Wrong, that's not God. Here's another thing. Muhammad's not a prophet. Muhammad was a madman. We go on and on and on about this. We have people out there saying the angels showed up and gave us special tablets in a cave. Well, I get tickled every time I hear about to ask them, what is that angel's name? They say Moroni. And I said, do you know what Moroni means? They say, no. I said, it means my moron. You just got to suck pal. True. True. Yes. Hallelujah. But we like to point our fingers and say, that must be God. 
Oh, I want to see God working somewhere in my life. I want to see God working somewhere in the United States. I want you to know God is working in the United States, and He's still working through the glorious gospel He's given us. That is the message. That's the vehicle. That's what we're supposed to be spreading and preaching. We're not supposed to be out there trying to heal, trying to bring about signs, trying to give people prosperity. What we need to do is bring them salvation in Jesus Christ. But we like to point our fingers all the time and say, where's God? Where's God? Does that sound like the church you're in today? Does that sound like the church you've been a part of? Perhaps you've been watching them on TV, on YouTube. I'll tell you what, those YouTube prophets get me laughing all the time. They do. They make me just fall sometimes in fits of laughter. I think it's amazing, too, that most people who said, God says it to me are the one person that's never been in church. Have you ever noticed that? Those people who come right up to you and say, God's been speaking to me. When's the last time you've been in church? 1975. Sure, God's speaking to you. He spoke loud and clear through that bag of pointers, didn't he? We want to find God somewhere. We try to find God in anything. God is not far from any one of us. In fact, He's all around us. And if we will just open our hearts and just open our minds, we will know that God is just one step away from each and every one of us. What is that step we need? Repentance. Repentance. Here's the picture, though. The Apostle Paul gets bit by a snake and they say, Man, He's got to be a God. He didn't die. They didn't know what God was. They didn't know who God is. And that brings us to what we need to be doing as a church. We're still in point number one. Point number one is the world is hungry for God. Did you know that? They want to know something about God. They want to know who God is. And you are the one claiming that you're God's representative. That means there's a couple of things we need to do. Not only do we need to write down on our refrigerator door what's not God, we need to write down on the refrigerator what God's people do. Are you ready for that? Because they come as a shock. God's people pray for each other. Somebody say amen. God's people love each other. Somebody say amen. God's people worship. Somebody say amen. God's people fellowship. Somebody say amen. You know what else God's people do? <laughs> they say amen together. You know what else God's people do? We get back there in that fellowship hall and we eat. Praise God. Let me tell you something about God's people. There's no happier bunch of people in the world than God's people. Why? Because we know we're forgiven. We know where we're going. We know we have a purpose. We know we have a reason. And we know that this is not the end, I'll say, y'all, because we will go on with Him. What happens, though, is the world says, where's God? And we want to say, oh, it's in a snake bite. God isn't in a snake bite. God's not in the train wreck. Let me tell you something. God's in the heart that repents and comes to Calvary. And the cross takes that train wreck and makes it into a beautiful testimony. When we say, Pastor, can God use these bad things? Absolutely. God does. Let me tell you, bad things don't come because God makes them. Bad things came because of Jesus. That's right. We brought sin and death into this world. And sin and death is brought a disease. It's brought a sickness. It's brought fear. You ever walk into these church and get afraid? That's not God. That's the enemy. Well, that means amen and a register. His perfect love casts out all fear. And when you walk into church knowing you're blood-bought, you're redeemed, you'll walk in singing the song that will say, in fact, you'll be singing like I do. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so! Hallelujah. Where you are this morning. That's one of those things. 
me, that's got to be God over there, and you want to go to whatever's happening. That's where God's working. That's what God's doing. That's where God is. No. God never left you. Far as we may walk away, let me tell you something about God. He's only one step away. That step is called repentance. And you turn around and come to God. Let's move on to point number two. Pastor Paul was written by that today. And he said, oh, he wants to be your God. They don't know who or what God is. You need to tell them about God. You, know? you need to show them who God is. You need to introduce them to the one true God. Here's the other thing the Apostle Paul did, though, and I love the picture of the Apostle Paul on the beach. He didn't just sit there by the fire saying, I'm cold. You know what he did? He got out and he picked up the fish. You know what that means, Christian? That means that we have work to do. A lot of times we think that, well, God built me a fire, so I'm just going to stay right here by the fire. I ain't leaving until the fire goes out. But if you don't put sticks on the fire, guess what's going to happen to it? It's going to go out. You need to get up off your bull haunches and start picking up some sticks. Do you know the Apostle Paul had no problem? Yeah, he'd just been through a shipwreck. He'd just been through a, a swim in the sea. He'd just been through a snake bite. Yet he's still picking up sticks and putting them on the fire. Hey, Christian, get off of your pity pot. Get back out into the ditches, into the hedges, into the highways, and bring them back in. Yeah. We need to get back to work like that. We need to pick up sticks. We got a fire that needs to be burning bright. I don't know about you, but when he comes in, I want him to see the whole world lit up with the light of the glory of God. But like a lot of people, we just put our hands in front and I'm cold, I'm tired, I'm hurting, I'm broken. Yeah, so are all of us. There isn't a one of us in this church that doesn't have a reason to just suck our thumb and sit on a pity pot. You know what? Real Christians have grit and they have grace and they need to get up and get moving. Real Christians can avoid and ignore the snake bite and get back to picking up the stick and putting them back on the fire. Why? Because he took nails in his hands. Why? Because they put a crown of thorns on his brow. Why? Because they beat him with 40 lashes. Why? Because he went to the cross and shed his blood so that you could share his story with everybody you knew. Now, the Apostle Paul picked up sticks. Chapter 28, verse 3 tells us about that. Paul picked up a bundle of sticks. We need to get involved. Incidentally, the reason why Paul picked up sticks is because those barbarians or those natives were picking up sticks. Some of you know that there's a spiritual truth in that. There's something we need to learn from that. Number one, is when you go somewhere, you need to get involved in what they're doing. You ever met someone who went to church and said, I can't seem to get involved. I'm sitting in the pews and no one's asking me. Well, that's what the bulletin is for, baby. That's a direct invitation for you to show up. Come and be a part. That's what the announcements are for. Well, no one invited me. Yes, you did. You got a personal invitation from Pastor Josh at the bulletin. As Christians, we need to get involved. You're going to step out in this world, you're going to find out the world is doing things. And not everything the world does is bad. Did you know that? There are good things the world does. And you can get involved in those good things and share the gospel in it. They were picking up sticks. They were building a fire to warm the cold. They were feeding the hungry. Hey, Christians. 
could, there is no greater avenue to share the gospel than when somebody is hungry. Because when they're hungry and their belly's getting full, their spirit is open for godly. We need to get involved. You ask yourself before, I want to do what God's doing. You know what? God's got people out picking up sticks. You need to get out picking up sticks as well. But where are they going? Well, you know what's funny about the Apostle Paul? He didn't go with a group of people. He went by himself. He went out there to pick up sticks. He saw sticks. He said, those were burn great on the fire. I bet you know where the funniest sticks you can I bet you know where lost people are. Are they in your family? Are they at 7-Eleven? Are they at HEB? Are they at Walmart? Are they somewhere down the road? Let me tell you what. Go out there, pick up those sticks, because the fire needs to burn. Get out there and get involved. We like to think sometimes as well, we don't get involved in politics. Do you know why we're in trouble? We're involved today because the church decided not to be a part of politics. We should have been involved since day one. We should have been praying, preaching, teaching, and guess what else we should have been doing? Holding them accountable. As Christians, we should have held them to the same standard of righteousness that they try to hold us to. Nowadays, because we've decided to step out of that, out of not picking up sticks, we have politicians now that say, you got to redefine what a woman is, redefine what a man is, redefine what women's sports are, redefine what a child is. These are some local ones. We need to get involved. we got sticks to pick up. We've got work to do. We've got people to bring to the gospel. We've got a fire that's still burning bright, and we've still got time because he hasn't returned yet. Get busy, Christian. When I Paul was picking up sticks, I love the story of chapter 28, verse 3. Well, Apostle Paul picking it up. He's working like every Christian should be doing. Work it. Have you sang that song? Your work is Jesus Christ. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it right now. So it's not. But have you ever sang it before? Your work for Jesus Christ. Your work for Jesus Christ. Your come right now, would he look down and say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or would he say, why have you become lazy and tired? Why have you become satisfied? Why have you become, oh, I've already done enough. Someone else needs to do it. Get up. Get back to work. There's somebody who needs to hear the gospel. The Apostle Paul picks up his palace. I like that. Not just one stick at a time. That's another lesson Christians need to learn. We like to pick up one stick and say, look what I did. As a father, there's nothing, there's nothing, that was going to be for a second. There's nothing that irritates me more than when I have my boys clean up the room and they pick up one piece at a time. Dad, I'm doing it. You know what? If you're a mom or dad, you know what I'm talking about. Why does it take you 75 hours to clean up your room? I'm working. I mean, to go all the way to the kitchen or all the way to the trash can or all the way to the bathroom, whatever it is, they had to take one thing at a time. Pick up a whole bundle. Church, you've got lost people coming out of our ears. There's so many of them. You've got people who are caught up in Islam. People are caught up in homosexuality. People are caught up in witchcraft. People are caught up in the lie of the devil. Pick them up. Bring them to the fire. God's Word is the fire. And it will burn all the untruth out of us. And it will grow and glow bright in this world. 
heat of the whole bundle. I love Paul for that. The whole bundle. And as he gets close to that heat, guess what comes out? You know something? There's something we can learn from that. Number one, number one, when you start bringing sticks close to the fire, bad things come out of it. You know what? Hey, Christian, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to the fire, the more bad things are like to come out of you. Have you noticed that? The closer you get to getting right with God, it seems like the more bad things happen to you. Somebody say amen. You know who that is? That's the devil. You do. You know who it is. You know what it is. Have you ever actually got your life right now? I'm preaching to the choir. Of course, unfortunately, you guys are back down in your seat at the moment. But truth is, if I'm preaching to a Baptist church, and I'm preaching to somebody who's been down this road before, that's the, that's the mark of a Baptist. We have made a mistake. We have sinned. We have fallen out. And let me tell you something. When we do, we decide because we're Christians and we can't that spirit starts convicting us and get yourself back in church. Get your family back in church. Get yourself right with God because He's coming through. And you get on your knees and you say, God, forgive me. God, I repent. And then you leave your family and they say, come on, Dad, take us where we need to be. And you start taking them back to church. And the closer you get to the fire, the more the snakes start coming out. You know what I'm talking about? Are you feeling me? I'm preaching to some of you. I'm reading your mail this morning. You know what I'm talking about. And the closer you get to that fire, the more the snakes are coming out. Do you feel that way this morning? And you know what happened to Paul? He started getting close to that fire and out came that snake. Let me tell you something. Snakes don't want to get burned either. Somebody say amen. I don't know about you, but snakes not, may not be the smartest things in the world, but they're smart enough to stay out of the fire. They are. The closer he got, it came out, and the Bible says it's back. I love that. I imagine what happened there. This is just my thoughts. I imagine what happened there. That viper is fastened on the Apostle Paul's hand. I imagine there was a moment of silence. Paul took a look at that thing. wonder what kind of viper it was. We don't know. Cool snake. We don't know. But it was a viper. And we live in Texas, so what comes to my mind is a Western Diamondback. Amen. The bad news is that Paul didn't give him any rattling like he would have got. Now, we don't know what kind of sense he went to the pit call, and I imagine there was that moment of shock. What the world's that thing doing on my hand? You know something? When it's cold outside, one of two things happens. When it's cold, it either hurts worse, or you don't feel it at all. You know that? If I would imagine Paul coming out of that water, had just started working, picking up sticks, his body was warming up, but his hands were still cold, and then that snake came into his hand, he felt every little second of that same place. And he looked at that poisonous snake, and he did what most badgers would do. He said, oh my goodness, I read about this snake before. It's a terribly venomous creature. That's what badgers do, right? We're going to execute it, right? There's no coming back from this snake without an anti-venom kit. Unless somebody gets a razor out, opens up the snake wound, and sucks the venom out, I'm going to die. You know what Paul did then? Are you ready for me? The Apostle Paul says he shook the creature into the fire. Are you hearing me this morning? Have you been getting bit by snakes here lately? And you're thinking, oh my goodness, everywhere I go, there's a snake bite here, a snake bite there. Let me tell you, snake bites don't have to be physical snakes biting you. Sometimes they're little quips, little comments, little sly looks you get from certain people. Snake bites, they're everywhere. Do what the Apostle Paul did and start shaking them into the fire and feel no harm. That's what you got to 
being a substantial source. Why? Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Because God works for good in all things for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you didn't make it lately? You got one of those people who every time you open your mouth they say something? Take it into the fire. You got one of those people out there that says, Hey, man, this is a deadly, venomous beast. You know what? I love the Apostle Paul. He took it into the fire. In other words, he was feeling his death. He shook it into the fire. That has no authority over you. Death no longer has authority over you, Christian, because Jesus has led death captive. He has closed forever the grave. In fact, he said to the Apostle Paul, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Refuse to accept it. Shake it into the fire. Paul is Everywhere you go, you get a little bite here, a little bite there, a little sting here, a little sting there. Shake it into the fire. You know what the fire does to snakes? Get rid of them. Nothing gets rid of a snake quicker than a fire. Tell you what, snakes are hard to see in the grass, but when you set fire to the grass, the snakes are very visible. Very visible. God's word is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. We need to think about that. We take a look at the Apostle Paul shaking that snake into the fire. You got a snake like causing the snake shaking into the fire. You got somebody who says something about you every time you go everywhere. You say something every time you do something. Somebody's got something bad to say. Shake it into the fire. Shake it into the fire. You don't have to accept it. So you learned a couple of things this morning. Number one, you've learned that when we Christians have bad things happen to us, you learn that the world has bad things happen to people, even Christians, certainly where God is. It's your job to tell them what God is. It's your job to say, hey, God is right here. He died on Calvary. You can have relationship with him. God hasn't left us. God hasn't forsaken us. He's not left us orphaned. He is coming back one day. He's going to take us home, and I want you to go with him. Pastor, one of those is Pastor. I do know that. Coming down the line, I've just been standing in front of the fire. One minute. Well, there's a lot into that. There's a lot into that. You can look at that different way if you want to. You can look at that as, man, when I go out picking up sticks and you get it at fire, and by relationship with God in my heart and my life, and I'm out there learning, I'm out there studying, don't be gone too long from the fire or you're dead. You know, you go out to pick up sticks, learning things about God's Word, the deep things about God's Word, about the history, about what the Bible was written about, what it's for, the background, the context, the audience that it was written to, and that fire of evangelism will start going cold. It surely will. Get back to the fire. Sometimes we can learn so much about the Bible that our fire of evangelism goes cold. Get back there. Incidentally, no matter what, when you study God's Word, when you're in God's Word, you're going to find out that snake is going to try to bite you. You're going to snake you there. That old devil, the serpent. He's always going to be biting anybody who's trying to pick up God's Word, trying to learn God's Word, trying to get his family back in the church. Shake him off. I love to see my face. I love to see my face. I 
says, you are saved by grace through faith. The law brings forth death. The law works death. Grace brings forth life. Spirit brings forth life. So you can see the picture of the Apostle Paul in the custody of a Roman centurion and all of them who are agents of the law. One person, the captain of David, the captain of our salvation. Here's a way to freedom. Here's a way to life. You see, we look at the picture. You'll understand the law is clear now. And granted, you do. And once you understand the law and the work of the law, it keeps you that you need Savior. And you've got no choice but to jump in. The law will not bring you to righteousness. The law will teach you that you are unrighteous. And when you come to realize you're unrighteous, the sword will come out. You have a choice. Grace or law. Grace or law is in the pastor. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Jew. Grace or law. The Bible tells you in the book of Romans that all the world will be judged by That every person in this world no longer has an excuse, their very mouth being Do you see through God's law today? Do you realize that you need to stay here and let Let's take a look at God's law quickly. When's the last time you told a lie? This morning? Last night? Last week? The Bible tells us, Thanks to man, thou shalt not bear false witness. Oh man, when's the last time? The Bible tells us in the seventh commandment that's not committed adultery. And Jesus says, if you look with lust, you commit adultery already in your heart. And the law begins to do its work to show you, you need a savior. When's the last time you blasphemed? The last time you said, oh, MG, because you were angry. The last time you said, oh, Jay, because you were angry. The last time you were angry without just time. John tells us when we're angry, when our brothers have just called we know. And you know the sixth commandment, that's not done. You know the third commandment, that's not taste of it, that's not done. And the law begins to do its work. To reveal to you, you must see. And the sword Not one, not two, not three, but ten of them. Ten of them. And truth be told, not ten, but six hundred and thirteen. One by one, one by one, they're swing down, working their dirt. Perfect line. Grinding the pot. How do I come to this? For God so loved the world that he gave only his son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting. Save me, Jesus, make me worthy. That's what they have to do. And I'm a Christian. I'm a member of Time for me to stand, stop standing by the fire. I've got work to do. 
have to say, Brother John, I'm getting bit. I'm getting eaten up by snakes. Your word is quick and it is powerful and it is sharper than the most serious sword. And stop there right now, Lord God. And it will cut down in our hearts and into our lives. If there's anyone who needs to come and love your personal Lord and Savior, anyone, Lord, who needs to surrender to you in any way, we give that praise you that day. We give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name and mighty name. Amen. As you come with these things, there is a fountain. Come on. Would you come with me?
story. Just Heidi, they came and put Jesus in their heart on resurrection day. They came out of a church that was different than us. And they came and said, wow, well, we need to make Jesus a personal world thing. And they've done They've been through a lot of classes. They've been sitting in Sunday school class. I'm telling you, they're a lot of fun in Sunday school class. But they come this morning and they say, it's time for us to be baptized. You're going to support them and pray for them in there. Would you say amen? Well, you know, we got a couple other baptisms. I love it when we have four or five baptisms to do at one time. So we're going to schedule that real quick here in the next couple of uh, weeks. We'll get that up and get them for you. Amen. And it sounds like your church family is going to love you and pray for you and support you in that. And so I want to ask you all to make sure you come down and hug their neck here in a minute and let them know you're going to be praying for them in that. Don't wake up the baby. Except for my son. Remember what he did for us. Let us remember how he died. Let us remember the blood he shed for us. Let us remember that we are not redeemed by money. We are not redeemed by good ones. We are redeemed by the precious blood. The precious blood of the Son of God. As we partake of the bread, look at the holy God. Think of how he was here for us. Look at the brown stripes on him. Think of how he took the last. Take of those juice. Remember the blood that so willingly time to love. For the day Titus, you take us from the other
Let's sing it to the Lord with all our hearts. 